This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Our time is 10 minutes after 1 o'clock. Welcome to uh, the second hour of uh, the Power Zone and Power 98.7. We're going into uh, politics uh, this morning, uh, just looking at uh, the ANC, the party uh, that really has seen a lot of people uh, just come out of the organization, even the, uh, what they call splinter parties like your COPE and your EFF and the likes. Uh, they are uh, more or less uh, children of the ANC uh, when you look at uh, the organization organization over time but uh, 112 uh, is it 112 uh, of greatness or has it been 112 of thriving and trying by all means to uh, get it right uh, so this morning uh, we invite Tabi Lem Luli in the conversation who's a political analyst uh, who comes through uh, to just help us mark the legacy of uh, the ANC the African National Congress 112 years later we'll reflect uh, this morning on uh, the political Political party, as we also throw forward uh, to what the party's president, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, is likely to say uh, during the January 8th statement uh, this coming weekend. It's an election year as well, and we'll look uh, with Tabile at what the party has to offer here uh, to the electorates, uh, me and you, in the upcoming uh, elections. Uh, looking at uh, really uh, this and post uh, the 2024 uh, general elections, if life will be better under uh, the ANC. Tabile, good morning. Compliments. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Katlaigo. Happy New Year. Yeah, no, really, really lovely to have you on in the new year again. I'm hoping that it's going to be a lovely year for us as well as we go into politics. It's a it's a politically charged year. When you look at it, a lot has happened, you know, in the period of December. I was thinking about you when we were off air. And I'm like, oh, I could have been discussing this with Tabile to say, Tabile, you know, we are seeing MK, we are seeing all of these parties. Parties and the likes, uh, but that uh, will of course discuss as we inch closer and closer uh, to the elections. Uh, still waiting, of course, for the president to declare uh, that all important uh, date. But I want us to talk about uh, the ANC, zoom into the party, uh, look at uh, the 112 years of existence and where we find the organization uh, as we speak right now. What they've had to uh, navigate over the years, uh, they've uh, really been described as the liberation movement, uh, having uh, been in governance as well uh, in this uh, new dispensation, uh, the democratic dispensation uh, to where we find ourselves uh, right now, uh, where others are even saying that uh, 2024 is our 1994, meaning that uh, they are uh, citing or alluding to uh, somewhat of a rigorous change that will have to come through, uh, meaning that it's an indictment when you look at it, Mm -hmm. uh, to the legacy of uh, the ANC over time. Let's talk about the party, uh, the ANC ANC, the African National Congress. All right, so of course the ANC is celebrating 112 years, um, mm. the oldest uh, political party in South Africa, founded mm. in, in 1912. Mm. And we give the ANC a bad rap, and obviously with with reason, but you know, when, when we look at you know the ANC and the reason why it was founded, I was saying the other day that you know the ANC was not founded by politicians, it was mm. founded by activists. You know, people that really saw, um, you know, that really saw what was happening in South Africa and wanted to make a difference. Those are what activists are. They identify problems in society and then take it upon themselves 
to uh, to want to make a difference. And that's really what we had. We had leaders within the ANC who were activists who were really concerned about, you know, what was happening in the country and mm-hmm. the heinous crimes that were happening, not just only on black people, but, you know, the other races that were um, that are currently here in South Africa. So that's what you had. You had activists, people that came together and really wanted to make a difference. And that's for majority, um, you know, in the, in its earlier stages. That's what you what you found. But then when we move on, when we then uh, start looking at your 1960s and 1980s, now we're progressing as a party. Uh, now you're starting to find, you know, leaders within the ANC themselves starting to talk about, you know, corruption because corruption within the ANC is not a new phenomenon. It's 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 been there. It's it's been there. And the reason we can say that is, um, it, they now start see the benefit of, of being in the political landscape, you know, the money that comes with it. Because, you know, being a politician or um, being an activist in, in some cases doesn't doesn't only stop with just, uh, you know, being the saint and, you know, uh, there are other areas of life that it also touches. And one of them, it was, it was money. It was um, what they were set to inherit from. And I put this in inverted commas, uh, you know, the from inherit from you know saving the country uh, per se. So now you then really start to see people's characters come through. And I believe what was different uh, in those days is that you really had strong leaders um, that you know that would hold each other accountable. So that's why you would find that in in you know 1960s and 1980s you really had you know there was discipline. Uh, uh, within the uh, within the party, there was accountability, accountability within the party, and then something happened right about right after mm. 1994, yes. and uh, then specifically looking at you know uh, just around Tabon Behi, Jacob Zuma, and now the current president's um, you know presidency, and you find that you know corruption is something that um, has really uh, you know really grown, and what I'm what I'm identifying within the party is is that there's a lack of accountability and there's lack of leaders really that are, are you know, the, the true leaders that formed the, the basis of ANC or, you know, the leaders that really had a strong agenda as to why they started. So now you're finding individuals that are no longer wanting to be part of the solution, but are seeing the benefit of being a part of it. And I think that's like what we, we you know, as, as much as, you know, these people and, um, you know, they participated in, in, you know, the liberation and so on and so forth. But we also must look at the negative side of that, which was, you know, they had and what they had to sacrifice. So you find that, you know, for, for instance, you know, people were separated from their families, they were, uh, they were tortured, sent to mm. exile, so on and so forth. And so that sometimes leads me to believe maybe that is why we're seeing um, the amount of corruption uh, within the ANC. Mm. And, you know, maybe it's that element of, you know, uh, we sacrifice so much for this. It, this is a payment method for them or compensation, mm-hmm. I should say, rather. Mm-hmm. So we're really seeing a lot of that. And now coupled that with, you know, uh, lack of accountability and really strong leaders that are going to remind them why the ANC was founded to begin with, you're finding that is why you're having uh, such allegations, such corruption and such, you know, instability within the party mm-hmm. itself happening. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at the founders of the organization as I was preparing for our conversation here, and the names of your John Langali Balele Dube comes through, your Pixlika Isakaseme comes through, your Sol Blaki, your Josiah Changana Gumede, and I'm, I'm seeing what you're describing as well there, Tabile, to say this were just a, a mixed bag of people just coming through, organizing under the same vision of liberating uh, the black nation and over time we see also the church community being roped in as well uh, to form part of this uh, you know work of activists in trying by all means to uh, try uh, and fight this music came in as well where everybody else had a role to play in ensuring that uh, there is this uh, liberation uh, that uh, we so much purport uh, right now Uh, but over time like you say those opportunistic elements tend to come in and others would even argue to say uh, some of these issues uh, came as far back as uh, when uh, we were going into uh, just those discussions around the transition period where uh, then the opportunistic element tend to uh, show themselves and those uh, that maybe probably were weak then and uh, were uh, pushing for politics of the stomach and then that's when uh, they were infiltrated over time and that's a school of thought that has been making uh, the round to say it is the liberation you know movement was weakened uh, from there and uh, this is where uh, then the ANC because it is the one uh, that found itself in governance over time it did not have uh, somewhat of a way to navigate uh, these particular issues uh, that it was faced with uh, over time and we find ourselves uh, here uh, right now uh, because when you look at even the integrity commission of uh, the uh, party it doesn't even give you a sense that uh, accountability mechanisms are in place uh, to ensure uh, that uh, there is confidence uh, that would be uh, more or less uh, coming through uh, from the organization and uh, we would more or less hold each other accountable uh, especially where issues of service delivery are concerned because that's where uh, corruption would have been clamped down and we would have seen money and everything else channeled and things moving the way that they should have been moving most definitely and i love the fact that you touched on on uh the earlier ANC mm-hmm. um, in terms of how, you know, they believe that all of us had a role to play. Yeah. That even if you were not in the party directly, but they still believe that you could make an impact and you mm-hmm. could make a difference um, wherever you are. And when you, what you find now is that this, uh, you know, post-1994 ANC has mm. been playing this sort of messiah role, saying that we're here to save you, that we're the answer. And it, it sort of isolated itself from uh, the general citizenry, if you would see how, in, in terms of its operation, how it's, it, uh, it, it, you know, pretty much, you know, done its, its day-to-day, it's, it's pretty much isolated itself and it has made itself this, this god or this uh, messiah that was sent to save uh, South Africa, whereas the earlier ANC believed that all of us had a role to play, not just the ANC, but wherever you are in there, in the grassroots, wherever you were, you could make a difference to, to bettering South Africa. So definitely that's it. And really what that has done, and I really don't know where we got it wrong, even as a citizen, because what you now find is that you know, people have identified or associated, rather, you know, the ANC with democracy. 
to the extent that now, uh, that's why so that people are not, because the ANC, um, that's the only government that we've had post-1994. And what you're finding that now that people have associated because of this messiah and savior sort of uh, role that the ANC has now uh, tried to play, is that people have associated democracy so much with the ANC that because the ANC is failing, they've then hence thought that democracy as a system is failing. So you find that people are now opting not to vote because of uh, the actions of the ANC rather than looking at, you know, the different parties that the democratic system, the multi-party system that we have now with independent candidates has to offer. So definitely it's had a, 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 a huge uh, a ripple effect, negative effect in the way that South Africans see or perceive government mm. as a whole. Yeah, but we also see over time uh, the party just uh, carrying uh, this slogan of renewal, uh, you know, from uh, one election period over the other, and we're seeing uh, it work for them. Uh, you know, in the past, we seeing them, uh, you know, more or less coming through uh, to say that uh, we remain a party for the people. On Monday, I was listening to uh, the president when he was giving uh, his speech on uh, the, uh, you know, celebrations of uh, the party as they, you know, wrapped up the NEC and kicked off uh, this week of celebrations in the lead up to uh, the Gen 8 celebrations uh, this uh, coming weekend. Uh, it, it seems as if he's still riding on that thing of uh, the ANC. There's a lot that we've done uh, for uh, you as a nation and also uh, there's a lot that we still have to do uh, for you as a nation uh, but then uh, give us an opportunity here uh, because we are a party in renewal. Uh, this this particular uh, stance of renewal uh, w- w- was there a need for renewal if maybe probably uh, the machine was oil well oiled uh, from uh, the get-go uh, so, so w- when when did we uh, jump into uh, this space of renewal in the 30 years uh, of governance when when do you think the ANC started sh- becoming shaky in a way that it, it had now uh, to re-strategize and come back uh, to the electorate to say that uh, we are a party that is renewing itself and 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 the likes because this is seemingly becoming a chorus of of the ruling or governing party right now. Um, I'm going to say that I think since Tabon uh, Bay, mm. uh, the ANC has been trying to do this renewal. So you had a Tabon Bay that maybe you would say spoke more to the middle class or mm. the upper class, and and we had that renewal where we then put in. Jacob Zuma, who then thought to more of the ordinary citizen, the you know the 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 poorer of the poorest, you know, had Jacob Zuma, who then has to who has to come in and try to you know save the ANC and then incorporate even those that were excluded from you know Tabombeke's era, you know, with the whole um, trying to make ARVs um, free, so on and so forth, with triple mm-hmm. uh, BE, so on and so forth. And then, um, you know, when it came to Cyril Ramaphosa's era, uh, you then found that the, the renewal on that was, you know, uh, Jacob Zuma was the person that was meant to save the organization, so on and so forth. And, you know, the whole thing of state capture, the fire pool, I'm not going to get into the mm. fire pool of the Thiel and Balula's confession. And you had the like. So now we, we, we believe that, you know, with hashtag Sumamina, uh, with Cyril Ramaphosa, really believed that the ANC had finally gotten it right, and I believe that this is that was really the the last 
um, that that was really the last time in which the ANC could fully renew itself without taking accountability as a party. Because, you know, what we've usually found is that the blame goes towards um, the individual that they put at that certain time with Tabung Dehi, with uh, President Jacob Zuma. And then what, you are, we are, what we are now looking for as the as as system theory is more accountability as, as, as the party in itself. Because yes, here and there they do it, and we can do better as the party and, and whatnot, not, but there's lack of really true accountability in the party really in saying, hey, we've made a mistake. We need to go back to the drawing board and we really need to change how we do things. Um, so that's what we're, we're finding over here. I don't, I don't believe that a simple just saying we are renewing is going to be enough because they've had so many chances. And I believe that um, there was a lot of hope, especially when President Cyril Ramaphosa came in. You know, he, he came, we really believed as, as South Africa that, you know, the ANC had finally gotten it right. And to see a man that uh, so many people had believed was really going to change, not only the ANC, but the South Africa as a whole, you know, to be caught up in so many scandals and in, in and so many scandals, then definitely the ANC has lost quite a lot of confidence. Mm. Um, the citizens have lost quite a lot of confidence in the ANC. And also, when you look at it, then uh, it, its weaknesses tend to see uh, new formations come through uh, into the space that are now even squarely uh, competing with uh, the party. Uh, f- for instance, the likes of uh, the EFF, uh, we, we saw COPE as well uh, come into uh, the space, and others would even uh, say to you uh, that uh, some of these uh, new formations were because of uh, the fact that uh, the ANC became a little bit weaker uh, over time uh, that saw all of these gaps uh, come in. Uh, was it a, uh, you know, political uh, maturity of a country or it's something or something out of the ordinary uh, when we saw uh, parties or splinter parties or other formations uh, coming out of one organization and, and the likes? Is this something that uh, maybe uh, when you read into it, Tabula, you can say that uh, it's, it's nothing un- to what uh, it, it is politics at the end of the day you go where there's a flow uh, in this particular regard you know for me i would say it wasn't political maturity mm. because i feel like if it was political maturity we would have political parties that maybe speak about climate change mm. that would speak about um you know various other things but what we found with these new political parties EFF included, MK included, Rise and Dance included, they're all pretty much a response to the ANC where the ANC is failing. You're not necessarily finding anything new. All of them are a response to the ANC. And what makes matters worse in this instance is that you have the likes of, you know, your EFF whose leaders came from the ANC who were disgruntled by what the ANC was doing or what the ANC was failing to accomplish. So you find that now they had that breakaway and then formed a political party in response to the ANC failing. Um, so so for me, I don't believe it's, it's political maturity. It's all a response to what the ANC is failing to do. Because if it was political maturity, we would have political parties that are championing different agendas. But all of them, if you look at their manifestos, all of them, they are all speaking about the very same thing, which is definitely a response to what um, the current government, which is the ANC, mm. is failing to deliver on. Mm.
Mm. And and also, Tabile, uh, then uh, when you look at uh, what has been happening over time, uh, how, how do you see uh, the ANC in, uh, let's say, 10 or uh, 15 years uh, to come? Uh, I mean, uh, right now, uh, others may argue to say the party finds itself uh, in a crisis mode. Uh, they've been tested over the years. Uh, and one would say that, uh, you know, maybe probably the writing is on the wall. But w- w- how do you actually uh, see the party uh, in years to come? You know, one of the things that as much as, uh, you know, I, I, I think I speak rather negatively of the ANC, but one of the things that, um, you know, I, I, I am aware of is that, you know, people love the ANC, you know, and the mere fact that the people are disgruntled at the ANC, apart from it being the ruling party, is the fact that, you know, they have so much love for the party and I believe that they expected so much for the party. So definitely, just even looking at these upcoming elections, you know, I know that a lot of people are nervous, a lot of, especially a lot of political mm-hmm. uh, parties are nervous with the introduction of, of, of MK because of, you know, the backing that they currently have with uh, former president. I still believe that the ANC will be, um, if we do have a coalition government, which is one of the things that I do see, I still see the ANC um, being a, a government that is actually the leader of that coalition government. I still see it having majority of the votes. It might not get all the 50% or 50, uh, 50 plus 1% of the votes, but I still, see, I still see them getting majority of the votes because people love the ANC. There's, mm. You know, there's, they go way back with the ANC. Um, mm. Just even just looking at the legacy of it, and, and something like that doesn't die easily. You know, people opt not to vote rather than not vote for the ANC is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you have that, um, but definitely uh, over time, if the ANC decides that you know it, it's really not going to change in terms of you know how it's 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 chosen to govern and and its leaders or how it's chosen not to discipline its leaders and you know accountability so on and so forth, really. I do see uh, it losing quite a lot of support. But there's also something else in play here. When we have discussion in these spaces, you know, people will tell you that, you know, the ANC has one of the best policies. Um, when, when, we, when we look at the manifestos, that's some of the best policies. So sometimes people don't necessarily, yes, they are disgruntled, but they still see potential because they still see the policies that it, that it, um, that it has. So it's there's a, a really a lot in in play here aside from just you know they see the corruption they see all the the scandals that are surrounding the ANC but there's love for the ANC there's you know these beautiful policies that you know unfortunately they're failing to implement at this point um, so definitely I still see people you know holding on for dear life uh, for the ANC uh, but definitely if you know. Uh, come the local government elections in 2026, if I'm not mistaken, we're definitely going to see an even further decrease. And not, and and I don't believe just only in the ANC itself, but I also feel like you know a lot of uh, voter apathy also comes into play because of the fact is that people do love the ANC and would just opt mm. not to vote, but then to rather not vote for the ANC. Yeah, and just before I let you go, uh, Tabile, uh, what are you reading into the Gen 8 statement? Uh, we know very well that uh, if this is coming through at a very crucial year, the elections year, and others are even saying that. Uh, you know, more or less it will give you the tone of what uh, is to be pertained in the manifesto of uh, the party. Uh, What are you reading? Uh, What are some of those nuggets that maybe we can expect uh, to be said by uh, the party? 
Uh, one of the things that we can expect is definitely um, reassurance. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, a lot happened in December. So mm. definitely, you know, people want answers and people that are still within the ANC themselves, uh, itself really want that reassurance that the party in itself hasn't lost faith. So you hear statements like, you know, the ANC is going to retain, um, it's going to retain the majority vote come the election. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're going to hear, besides, aside from anything, you're going to hear reassurance and you're also going to hear that the party is planning to do better. And you're going to just see a, a, maybe a few changes here and there in its manifesto, but you, you're, you're going to see pretty much what we saw in 2020, in uh, 2019. That's pretty much what we're going to see because the ANC in, in actuality hasn't accomplished much of what uh, it has set out to accomplish in its previous manifesto. So mm-hmm. you'll just see maybe a copy and paste of its previous manifestos with a few additions here and there. But major, what we really are going to see is just, um, you know, just reassurance that, you know, the ANC is still powerful, is still going to be able to, um, you know, it's trying to reassure its members to, to, you know, to not lose faith and definitely to also say that it's going to change its ways and it's going to come up with better strategies. You know, it's going to be more accountable and fight corruption and so on and so forth. That's really all that we can uh, uh, look forward to hearing. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, let's wait and see. It's a waiting game, uh, really. When you look at uh, what has been happening over time, and one would say uh, that, uh, yeah, uh, the MK, MK, but MK. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the MK party table. We should set a day aside uh, to just talk about this wave of MK uh, that we see sweeping across the. <laughs> I've never seen uh, so many people tremble. <laughs> yeah, I've been mean, really wait and. It's just everywhere. One would say that, uh, I bet you last year by this time, one wouldn't have even said that there would be a new party and there would, yes. we would see uh, the former president who was not well and ill-helped and now shinuaming again and, and all of those. So <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, but uh, Tabile, really, really always a pleasure uh, to speak to you. Uh, politics and let's just wait and see how the year goes. It's going to be an interesting year. And I'm excited about it because we have brains, brilliant brains like yours uh, that would always uh, just push to challenges and would uh, lead us all the way to the elections and beyond. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. What a time to be alive. Yeah, what a time to be alive, right? Like, especially if you're one person that is really, really well-vested and invested in all of these developments in the country. It's an exciting one. It's a really, really an exciting year. Uh, but let's do it together in the year 2024 once again, Tabil. Thank you so much, Kataiko. Yeah, no, really appreciate it. Uh, Tabilam Juli coming through there as a political analyst, a political scientist. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.